Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, my fellow believers, and welcome back to the Combat Bets podcast on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Jason Barron. This is episode number 10. Let's get started. I hope you guys haven't missed me too much during this coronavirus hiatus. If you guys have been looking for some old fights to watch, I really do recommend checking out ESPN Plus's Boxing Archive. They have a lot of great fights that you can check out, a lot of Muhammad Ali fights, uh, some Manny Pacquiao, some Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, just to pass the time. And of course, there's also a vast library of past UFC fights to also check out. But mainly me, when I choose to watch the fights, I've been watching some old Muhammad Ali fights. Man, what a fighter he was. His ability to move, to get in and out of range. Just something that's once in a generation you know, that you see that, or maybe once in a lifetime and Muhammad Ali comes by, Ali and all messy, these athletes that you really just have to cherish because once they retire, the sport will never be the same. Now, the last UFC event that there was happened on March 14th, and it was from Brazil, And uh, the main event was Kevin Lee against Charles Oliveira. And then the co-main event was Damian Maia taking on Gilbert Burns. Both these fights were pretty decent. Let me start with the co-main event. It was a welterweight fight. And early on, you could see that Damian Maia uh, really wanted to take this fight to the ground. And make sure that Gilbert Burns uh, didn't really fight too much on the feet. However, Gilbert Burns acquitted himself quite well on the ground. And showed that he could indeed grapple with the great wrestler and submission artist and Damian Maya. And then the fight quickly came to an end uh, after Gilbert Burns escaped a submission attempt from Damian Maya and made his way up to his feet, and then promptly hit Damien Maia with an absolutely beautiful left hook right on the chin that dropped Maya. and then Gilbert Burns thought the fight was over. He briefly lifted his hands in the air. However, the referee had not stopped the fight quite then, so he proceeded with some ground and pound and uh, put a quick stop to the fight. And it's back to the drawing board for Damien Maya, who's only getting older in his career. And then Gilbert Burns, he's looking like a real contender at uh, welterweight, 170 pounds. So we'll see who Gilbert Burns fights next. And maybe if he can get into that title picture and maybe take on Kamara Usman at some point. But we shall see. It was a very impressive performance by Gilbert Burns, who had the youth advantage and also had the size advantage and the speed advantage. Really, Damian Maya's only chance was to get this to the ground and hopefully land a submission, but Burns proved to be too slippery, and also he's also quite the 
wrestler in his own right is Gilbert Burns, but he also showed he was the better striker as he landed 14 out of a 17 strikes thrown. That's a very high percentage. And Damian Maya only threw seven total strikes the whole fight, landing only four. So you can tell that most of the fight was fought on the ground because Damian Maya did have a minute and 22 seconds of ground control, while Gilbert Burns only had five seconds of ground control. Perhaps it's time for Damian Maya to retire, but personally, I always love seeing him give his all and land those sweet submissions that he's so great at doing. And uh, Gilbert Burns just ended up being too great of an opponent for him to overcome. And we'll see uh, where Maya goes next here. And for Gilbert Burns, there's a lot of options for him as he really is a nice up-and-coming fighter in this uh, welterweight division. And then moving on to the main event, we had Kevin Lee taking on Charles Oliveira. In this fight, it looked like Lee had the advantage on the feet as he landed 61 out of 100 total strikes, while Oliveira only landed 51 out of 73 strikes. So Oliveira was a bit more efficient with his striking, but not really too much punishment that either fighter was really taking. And uh, then you look at ground control time. Kevin Lee had 6 minutes and 26, 26 seconds of ground control time, while his opponent, Charles Oliveira, only had 13 seconds of ground control time. But he sure did take advantage of the bottom position, as that's exactly where he won the fight, as Kevin Lee got a little lazy, got his head in where it shouldn't be, and Charles Oliveira quickly snatched up his head and yanked it and uh, finished the fight with a beautiful guillotine choke from the, from the bottom position, uh, showing that he is truly a great submission artist and one of the best in uh, all, of, all of the sport. And uh, for Kevin Lee, you know, it seems like he gets a great win in one fight, and then in the next fight he follows it up with a disappointing loss. So for him, it's really about building that consistency and definitely getting better and being more aware of uh, what's going on in the fight because you could see uh, as uh, Charles Oliveira locked up that guillotine choke in the third round, it seemed like Kevin Lee wasn't focused and uh, he just caught got caught by a, a great submission artist and you know you can't afford to do that against the likes of a Charles Oliveira or against the likes of a Damian Maya. So he's got to be more disciplined in in fights and he did have some great moments, some good striking against Oliveira, but ultimately his lapse in uh, judgment cost him the fight and that's really all it takes against uh a killer like Oliveira. And you look at the stats for this fight, and it looks like Kevin Lee should have won this fight because he landed more strikes. He got two takedowns. But, you know, none of that matters when uh, you're tapping out before the end of the fight, and that's exactly what Kevin Lee did. And uh, Oliveira is on to bigger and better things. We'll see who he fights next at lightweight. Now, moving on from UFC Fight Night Lee vs. Oliveira, which was the last UFC 
event that took place on March 14th before the coronavirus hiatus. Luckily, we are finally back, baby, with some live fights. No more just watching old fights for you fight fans. There's finally going to be some live fights on TV, baby. On ESPN pay-per-view, prelims on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Let's start out with some preliminary bouts for me to preview. I'm not going to hit all of them because there are quite a lot of fights here. But I'll just start at the very top here. We got Anthony Pettis taking on Donald Cerrone. This is a welterweight bout. Anthony Pettis is 33 years old, 5'10", 170 pounds, with a 72 and a half inch reach. And his opponent, Donald Cerrone, is 37 years old, 6'1", 170 pounds, with a 73 inch reach. And this should be an interesting fight because both fighters really need a win to push their career forward as both have suffered losses recently. After a surprise win over Stephen Thompson, a second round KO victory for Anthony Pettis. Pettis followed that up with a unanimous decision loss to Nate Diaz in August of 2019 and then followed that up with the Submission rear naked choke lost to Carlos Diego Ferreira in January 18th of 2020. So he's coming off two straight losses is Anthony Pettis and he's really going to want to get back on uh, the right side. And he has a good chance to do it against the veteran grizzled fighter in Donald Cerrone who is also coming off a loss in his most recent fight against uh, the great Conor McGregor. That fight was on January 18th of 2020 and it only took Conor McGregor 40 seconds to quickly dispose of Donald Cerrone and before that Cerrone suffered a TKO loss to Justin Gaethje in the first round and before that a TKO loss to Tony Ferguson after two rounds of fighting. So he's coming off three straight losses, three straight TKOs actually, and it looks like Cerrone's best days are behind him. But leave no doubt that Cerrone always puts on exciting fights and always likes to push the pace, throw a lot of kicks, throw a lot of strikes, and make it an interesting fight. Even if he does lose or win, he always puts on exciting fights, which is why Cerrone is such a fan favorite. And uh, Anthony Pettis is also prone to exciting moments inside the octagon. He's one of the most explosive athletes capable of landing explosive uh, movements as we've seen before against the likes of Stephen Thompson where he landed an unbelievable punch off the back foot that quickly ended the fight. And we'll see if he can once again land an explosive knockout against Donald Cerrone. I'm expecting the Miles to finally have kind of caught up to Cerrone and that will show in this fight as I expect Anthony Pettis to be the more in-shape fighter and perhaps have the better stamina. However, this fight is at 170 pounds at welterweight, which is really more Donald Cerrone's natural weight, while Anthony Pettis is probably a more natural 
155 pounder or lightweight. So we'll see if that uh, weight difference really manifests itself during the fight. But I see Anthony Pettis having the speed and stamina advantages. And then I see Donald Cerrone having the strength and size advantages. We'll see which of those uh, advantages really matters during the fight. But I'm expecting Anthony Pettis to get a win and perhaps a late stoppage win. I'll say a third round TKO victory for Anthony Pettis. So it should be an interesting fight and a great uh, prelim bout that is uh, on the schedule for UFC 249. This is a really strong fight card that you guys are really not going to want to miss. And the UFC absolutely came out with a dynamite show following their uh, coronavirus hiatus. And they're really the first major sport back and really are going to be the only show in town. So that means a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this fight, this event, which is great for sports. It's great to have sports back and give us some semblance as a society of perhaps things getting back to a, a more normal state of doing things. So it's great to have fights to preview. Moving on from that fight, I'm not going to preview uh, all of the pay-per-view fights, but I will start out by previewing Francis Ngannou against Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Francis Ngannou is 6 foot 4, 258 pounds with an 83 inch reach and he's 33 years old. His opponent, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, is 6 foot 2, 242 pounds with a 78 inch reach and he is 32 years old. Rosenstrike comes from a kickboxing background and he has since transitioned over into MMA and his MMA record is 10-0 with 9 of those wins coming by way of knockout. So obviously a very impressive start to his MMA career and he has only had 4 fights in the UFC but he's already one of the most feared heavyweights in the division and he started out his UFC career by beating Junior Albini by TKO head kick and punches a second round knockout followed that up with a KO victory over Alan Crowder that only took 9 seconds and then he followed that up with a KO victory over Andre Arlovsky and that win only took him a total of 29 seconds so two straight fights and they didn't even last a total of 30 seconds it's pretty crazy those finishes that he's getting and his most recent victory came against Alistair Overeem and that was in the fifth round right at the end of the fight Rosenstrike was able to get the finish a KO punch against the formidable Alistair Overeem and obviously for Rosenstrike he is undefeated at this point in his career getting KO after KO and what's really impressive about Rosenstrike is that he can get a knockout either backing up or coming forward you look at the fight against Andre Arlovsky Arlovsky's coming forward trying to land a punch 
and Rosenstrike lands a beautiful left hook right to the chin that knocks Arlovsky down and quickly spells an end to the fight. Rosenstrike showed beautiful precision and timing as he retreated backwards to land that punch. And this shows he has incredible spatial awareness and he moves incredibly well for an athlete of his size. But Rosenstrike has never fought a monster like Francis Ngannou. Ngannou is also has dynamite in his hands. These are two of the best knockout artists in the heavyweight division in the UFC. And this fight will really determine who is the better knockout artist between them. And you look at Francis Ngannou's record. So far, he has had uh, some great moments inside the octagon and has fought some of similar opponents to uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. He's also fought Andre Arlovsky and Alistair Overeem and also beat both of those fighters by uh, KO. Both of them were uh, first round finishes. However, after his win over Alistair Overeem, he challenged for the heavyweight title against Stipe Miocic, but last, uh, lost a unanimous decision. Miocic just proved to be the better wrestler and had better stamina and better overall fundamentals, which is why he beat uh, Nganu. And then he followed that up with one of the most boring fights in UFC history against Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis won a unanimous decision after three rounds in what was really a sleeper of a fight. But ever since that loss, it seems like a new fire has been lit under Francis Ngannou as he's followed that up with three first-round finishes. The first one was against Curtis Blades, and that only took him 45 seconds. He followed that up with a KO over Cain Velasquez. That only took him all of 26, 26 seconds. Incredible stuff. And then his most recent victory was against the very game and very talented junior Dos Santos. And that fight only lasted one round and uh, it only took him a minute and 11 seconds to get the finish there. So since his loss to Derek Lewis, he's had three quick first round knockouts against three quality opponents in Curtis Blades, Cain Velasquez, and Junior Dos Santos. I mean, these guys that were former champions at the top of the heavyweight mountain. And Nganu is just going through them like they're nothing. Incredible stuff by uh, this up-and-coming heavyweight fighter. And a knockout win over Jarzinho Rosenstrike really would do a lot for his uh, chances of once again challenging for that heavyweight title and perhaps getting a rematch with Stipe Miocic. It looks like Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier may have a trilogy fight coming up, which I would like to see. And I think Stipe Miocic would beat him and ultimately uh, retire Daniel Cormier. And then I would love to see Nganu get that rematch against Miocic. See if uh, Nganu has improved on his fundamentals since their first fight. But it really all starts with the victory over Rosenstrike. Ultimately, I think Rosenstrike might have the faster feet. But I think Nganu will have the size and strength advantages in there against him. 
And uh, I think both fighters will really need to be careful of not getting knocked out because we've seen that both of them can take full advantage of any slight mistake that their opponent makes and can quickly end the fight with a few punches or one punch, which is really all it can take when you're talking about these two destroyers. But I'm I'm expecting Nganu to win here just because I think he has the experience and size advantage, and I'm expecting this to be a quick fight with a lot of explosive action. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Francis Ngannou here to win by first round TKO victory. We'll see how this goes. Rosenstrike could just as easily knock out Ngannou. That's how volatile this heavyweight matchup is. And it's not one you're going to want to miss because these two guys have absolute dynamite in their fists. And this should be an exciting fight between two heavyweight contenders. Francis Ngannou is 14-3, while Rosenstrike is 10-0. And the odds for this fight are Ngannou checks in as a favorite at minus 280, while Rosenstrike checks in as the underdog at plus 230. But as I stated earlier, I'm going to go ahead and pick the favorite here, Francis Ngannou, by first round TKO victory. So make sure to tune in for that fight. And now moving on to the co-main event, we have a bantamweight title fight with Henry Cejudo, who is 15-2, versus Dominic Cruz, who is 22-2. And Cejudo is 33 years old, standing at 5'4", 135 pounds, with a 64-inch reach. His opponent, Dominic Cruz, is 35 years old, 5 foot 8, 135 pounds with a 68 inch reach. Dominic Cruz has not fought in the octagon since December of 2016 when he fought Cody Garbrandt for the in a bantamweight title fight and uh, Dominic Cruz lost that fight by unanimous decision only the second loss in his career. Garbrandt looked to have the size and speed advantage in one of the one of the more impressive performances that I've seen inside the octagon. Garbrandt, that was just his night, and Dominic Cruz could not quite get going and was outlanded during that fight. But Henry Cejudo is uh, was the double champion at 125 pounds and 135 pounds, but he has since vacated the 125-pound belt and is now fully focused on defending his bantamweight title at 135 pounds. And he's not taking on any easy fights either. He's fighting an absolute legend and perhaps the greatest bantamweight in UFC history in Dominic Cruz. And looking at the odds for this fight, Cejudo checks in as the favorite at minus 240. While Dominic Cruz checks in as the underdog at plus 190. And looking at Henry Cejudo's record here, uh, he has not lost since uh, 2016, the same year that Dominic Cruz last fought in. And that was a split decision loss to Josef Benavides. And since then, Henry Cejudo 
has gone on to beat Wilson Rios, Sergio Perez, Demetrius Johnson by split decision, TJ Dillashaw by TKO punches in the first round, and then his most recent win came against Marlon Moraz, a TKO victory, and he won the vacant UFC bantamweight uh, championship, and that was a third round knockout at the end of the third round. Henry Cejudo was able to overpower the explosive, the explosive Moraz and get a, a much-needed finish in that very competitive and uh, compelling fight. However, despite all these great wins for Cejudo and his sudden star turn as a former double champion, we'll see if once again Cejudo does decide to move back down to 125 pounds and indeed win that title back that he vacated but for right now he's at 135 pounds and he has never fought anyone that moves like Dominic Cruz. Cruz uses lateral movement and feints to keep his opponents off balance and this often gives him the edge in the fight and it allows him to control the pace, the distance, and really where the fight goes. So it's really going to be on Henry Cejudo to not let that happen, to put the pressure on Dominic Cruz to make him uncomfortable and perhaps take him down to the ground and see how he does grappling Dominic Cruz. Both these guys are excellent wrestlers, so we'll see where the fight goes, but I'm expecting a majority of the fight to be on the feet. And if that happens, I really think it is to Cruz's advantage because he's able to control how the fight goes and make his other opponent very uncomfortable with his unorthodox movement that it's really hard to prepare for because no one else in the fighting game really moves like Dominic Cruz. So as an opponent that's getting ready to face him, it's very hard to prepare yourself for that awkward awkward lateral movement and a lot of feints that Dominic Cruz likes to use. And he's been very successful in his career with only two losses coming to Uri Uriah Faber and Cody Garbrandt. And if the injuries hadn't kept Dominic Cruz from competing for so long, it's very possible that he could have been the bantamweight champion right now. And the question remains of how is Dominic Cruz going to even look after not fighting since December of 2016 inside the octagon? But if he's ready and he's raring to go and he is fit and not at all incapacitated by his past injuries, then I expect Dominic Cruz to have the speed advantage and also the fundamentals advantage against the explosive Cejudo. And unless Cejudo lands a big knockout punch to get Dominic Cruz out of there, Cruz should be able to dictate the distance and the pace of the fight for a majority of the rounds. And I think that will result in a decision victory for Dominic Cruz. So I'm going to say split decision victory for Dominic Cruz here over Henry Cejudo in an upset win. I just think he has the better fundamentals and he has more experience inside the octagon. So let's knock off that ring rust early on in the fight and see how Dominic Cruz looks. 
I, ex I expect a great performance from him and uh, making Cejudo very uncomfortable in there and make Cejudo miss with a lot of his strikes as uh, Dominic Cruz is so prone to doing. Always able to get in and out of range with very adept movements and very unorthodox movements that usually don't see uh, in most fighters. But Dominic Cruz fights with a very unique and successful style. And I just don't think that Henry Cejudo is quite up for the task of beating such a legend. It looks like the teacher will teach the student the student being Cejudo. We'll see if this happens. And Dominic Cruz is not only a great fighter, but also one of the best on-air analysts uh, in the business. And he is currently an analyst on uh, ESPN, doing a great job for them. But he'll have to put on his fighter hat. Finally, it's been a long time for Dominic Cruz to be out of the octagon. But it's great for us fight fans to finally see a legend like him back inside. And hopefully this won't be the last time for Dominic Cruz. Hopefully he leaves with the bantamweight title and it continues to defend it. But if Henry Cejudo does win, then perhaps Dominic Cruz would retire. Although he is only 35 years old, so I figure he does have a few more years left in him. But the result of this fight could do a lot in determining where Dominic Cruz goes from here. And if Henry Cejudo loses, it's really not that big of an issue because he could go back to 125 pounds to try to win that title back and also have a rematch with Dominic Cruz, which really I think a lot of people would want to see. So we'll see what happens. The bantamweight uh, division just got a whole lot more interesting with Dominic Cruz all of a sudden back inside the octagon. I'm really looking forward to that. So for my pick for this fight, I'm going to go with Dominic Cruz to win by split decision just because I think he'll be able to control the pace and the distance for the majority of the fight. Now moving on from that great co-main event to the main event, we have an interim lightweight title fight, 155 pounds between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. Tony Ferguson is 36 years old, standing at 5'11", 155 pounds, with a 76 and a half inch reach. Justin Gaethje is 31 years old, 5'11", 155 pounds, with a 70 inch reach. These guys are both absolute savages, some of the most violent and exciting fighters in all of the UFC, and they're going to throw down. And then looking at the odds for this fight, Tony Ferguson checks in as the favorite at minus 195, while Justin Gaethje is the underdog at plus 165. And this is guaranteed to be an all-action great fight because neither of these guys like to take a step back. They like to come forward. They like to attack. They like to look for that knockout. Now, Justin Gaethje isn't afraid of taking a little punishment to land his own knockout power. And that is really what he is going to look to do as he's done against Donald Cerrone and other fighters in the past. Whereas Tony Ferguson 
fights with relentless pressure and pace. It seems like this guy never gets tired. Tony Ferguson has one of the best gas tanks in all of the UFC. Incredible cardio, an incredibly well-conditioned athlete. And it seems like he can just keep going and going. And often what happens is that his opponents will wilt under the constant pressure that Ferguson puts on them. And then the referee is forced to step in and stop the fight. So Ferguson really wins by an accumulation of punches and just that overwhelming style that he unloads on his opponents. Whereas Justin Gaethje usually gets his win by that big knockout punch that he's able to land after receiving some punishment from his opponent. And then looking at the record for these uh, two fighters, Ferguson is 26-3 and with 12 of those wins coming by knockout and 9 by submission. And Tony Ferguson is coming off a TKO doctor stoppage win after two rounds of fighting against Donald Cerrone. Before that, he beat Anthony Pettis. And he is undefeated since losing to Michael Johnson in 2012. Since then, Tony Ferguson has gone on to beat Mike Rio, Katsunioro Kikono, Danny Castillo, Abel Trujillo, Gleison Thibault, Josh Thompson, Edson Barbosa, Lando Venata, Rafael Dos Anjos, Kevin Lee, Anthony Pettis, and most recently, Donald Cerrone. Now it's finally time for Ferguson to challenge Khabib Nurmagomedov for the 155 lightweight title. That fight has been scheduled perhaps five, on five separate occasions, and each time the fight has fallen through. This time it fell through because of the coronavirus pandemic. And hopefully the winner between Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson does indeed get that next title shot against the best grappler that the UFC has ever known in Khabib Nurmagomedov. We'll see if that happens. But it all starts with Tony Ferguson in this tune-up fight putting on a great performance against the very dangerous and the very violent Justin Gaethje. But you know, Tony Ferguson is just a little bit more skilled and he has better fundamentals. Tony Ferguson is one of the best boxers in all of the UFC and he uses his fast hands to put pressure on his opponents until ultimately they wilt under that pressure and the referee is forced to stop the fight. And I expect nothing different here against Justin Gaethje. Gaethje has a record of 21-2 and and 18 of those wins have come by knockout. That is a very impressive stat. Out of 21 wins, 18 by knockout. Wow, this guy is very explosive. And since uh, Justin Gaethje lost to Dustin Poirier back in April of 2018, he has been undefeated. He beat James Vick by KO Punch in the first round. Then he beat Edson Barbosa by KO Punch in the first round once again. And followed that up most recently beating Donald Cerrone by uh, TKO Punches. Again, another first round finish. So he followed that up, that loss up with three straight first round finishes. Justin Gaethje is really on a roll here. 
and absolutely deserves to fight a great fighter like Tony Ferguson. This should be a very exciting all-action fight as uh, neither of these fighters want to take a step back. So this should be a great fight between two absolute violent fighters that love to land punishment and love to win. And these guys are born fighters. They absolutely love to fight. And these two opponents coming against each other has all the recipes for an absolutely classic fight. But I am going to have to pick Tony Ferguson here to win the fight. And I'm going to say it comes by third round TKO. I just think by that point in the fight that Justin Gaethje will have weathered a lot of punishment and perhaps dished out his own. But it seems like whenever I watch Tony Ferguson fight that his opponent never really hurts him, never really bothers him, and he's just able to continue to push forward and land a lot of punches with his fast hands and great boxing background. And Tony Ferguson is also quite an adept and skilled submission uh, artist as he has nine submission victories in his career. We'll see how the end comes here, but I'm expecting a TKO victory for Tony Ferguson that comes in the third round. So we'll see how that plays out, but ultimately Ferguson will have the reach advantage and also the stamina advantage, and I think that should be enough to get him the win and get a stoppage win and set up the fight that we have all been waiting for, Tony Ferguson against Khabib. This fight needs to happen. And hopefully uh, Tony Ferguson can put on a great performance so that fight doesn't get derailed. And we'll see what happens. But finally, the UFC is back. UFC 249, live from Jacksonville, Florida on May 9th. You guys will not want to miss this card. And thank goodness that we're getting some live sports back. And remember, fight fans, that UFC 249 on May 9th is not the only UFC event that is coming up. Also, on May 13th, we have UFC Fight Night with Anthony Lionheart-Smith taking on Glover Teixeira. And then on May... And that's uh, the headline fight. And then on May 16th, we have Alistair Overeem taking on Walt Harris. And while I'm not going to preview those fights, I'll just give you my picks really quickly. I like Anthony Smith to win the fight against Glover Teixeira. And then I like Walt Harris to beat Alistair Overeem on uh, May 16th. All these fights will be coming to you live from Jacksonville, Florida uh, in the coming days in May. So look out for all three of those events that have been announced by the UFC. So we can look forward to some live sporting events coming up in May. So that's great news and welcome news as I was going pretty crazy with no live sports to watch. And thank goodness the UFC is finally coming back and quelling our thirst for sports. No word yet on uh, when exactly boxing will resume, but hopefully they'll follow the lead of the UFC and will soon resume uh, regular boxing as well. But for now we have the UFC and we can be very thankful for that. 
So make sure to tune in to UFC 249 on May 9th and then the subsequent events on May 13th and uh, May 16th. Very exciting stuff to look forward to. Thank you so much for listening, my fellow believers, to episode number 10 of Combat Bets. I'm your host, Jason Barron. Kobe forever. Mamba forever. Let's beat this virus, guys. Everyone stay safe out there. And enjoy this weekend's fights. Thank you so much for listening. And check back next week for my next episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.